When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! Yeah! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to me, the Northampton Town fans podcast. I'm Charles and with me to talk all things cobblers are Danny Brothers and Chesie Coleman. Now obviously um, this weekend the cobblers travelled up to Crewe and came back with their tails well and truly between their legs and so we're going to talk a little bit about that game and get obviously your views on it in the post bag as well welcome guys how are you very well thank you very good my tail is firmly between my legs as well (laughs) so's mine i mean let's get straight into it shall we um the game kicked off and actually started quite well didn't it danny that was all right for a few minutes wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it uh we settled in quite well i thought actually for an away game um and you start to think you start to look for straight away the differences between the teams and we know what type of team through are we talked all about it on the preview show that um they're going to be passing and moving they're going to be doing the exact opposite of what we're doing but it seemed to be working what we was what how we started um obviously that monumental moment of ricky's goal Set us off on a good, good, uh, good start, but uh, yeah, after that didn't go too well. But yeah, it was it was good to to start off with the positive. Ricky's goal was was what moment, and it, it was it was like the most untypical Ricky Holmes goal as well. Just like a little little flick in the area. <laughs> I don't know if he ever went in the six yard box when he was here before, did he? Now, <laughs> now he's become didn't a need to. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the old the old uh, the old band of Nicky Adams and. Samuel Tobias Hoskins setting him up as well. It was good to see. Um, it was. So, it, yeah, it looked like it was going to be a good afternoon at the start. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I want to I stay positive for as long as we possibly can. I know it's going to turn fairly negative. It has to, really, doesn't it? But just to stay on the goal, Chesy, I mean, it was it was brilliant to see Ricky score again, wasn't it? First time that he's he's scored, obviously, in a cobbler shirt for, what, over four years? Um, just 
a shame, really, that there were no Cobblers fans there to witness it. Yeah, I think so. But I think for him, on a personal note, it's it's a huge moment for him. Because, like, we, we, I mean, we sat here ourselves and spoke to him over lockdown, didn't we? And he, he was pretty much saying to us, you know, my career's, my career's over to all intents and purposes. And, you know, for him personally, I'm, I'm not even going to enter into the fact that it was versus crew and we'll come on to the rest later. But just that, that small piece of football in isolation we will talk about. And um, I just think it's a wonderful moment for him. And I'm really glad that he's off the mark. But I would like to think that the next time he hits the back of the net, we're talking about something totally different. And and actually with fans in the ground, I know they were crew fans, but, you know, it's not the same. But hopefully that's just the start and a start yeah. that we can forget, if that makes I will sense. Say that, yeah, I, I will say that, I'm a little bit disappointed having watched the goal back now on the, you know, the camera that sits behind the goal that the club put there. Um, I thought in real time, he'd done one of those kind of almost back heels into the net, you know? Yeah, I did. The kind of goal that that I mean, actually it's not, it's not quite as good as that. And I'm a little bit disappointed. (laughs) Sorry, Ricky. (laughs) He's still going on the top of my Christmas tree, regardless of how he scored the goal, FYI. Absolutely, absolutely. No, there's a special ceremony just before Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the tree's up, but Ricky's not on it yet. Is that right? Yeah, Ricky has to go on on a certain date. Okay, do you play like do you play Sixfield Boys? Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> just as you put it up. <laughs> oh dear. Evening, Ricky, um, well, if you're listening. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, it was a, it was really, really good, and I think actually, in fairness. The first 10 minutes were quite good. We were on top. I actually remember, maybe maybe I did a Danny. Maybe that's what went wrong here. But I remember thinking in my head, this is quite good. Crew haven't even got into our third of the pitch. And then, yeah, it just kind of didn't happen, did it, for some reason. But, I mean, we could have made it too. Um, horseful. Had a quite, I thought it was in. I was off my sofa. And I, it, the goalkeeper was stranded. It was a lovely little, you know, flick of his leg to just try and direct it back across the goal and into the bottom corner. It just goes past the post. I actually thought that was quite... And I, I think, actually, at the time, I remember sort of thinking to myself, oh, if only he'd scored that, maybe that might have been a bit of a confidence boost for him. Because, obviously, he's not been everybody's favourite central defender this season, has he, Jazzy? No, but I mean, it. to be honest, that chance and any other minor chance that we created kind of falls by the wayside um, because minus the first 10 minutes, we did nothing. And frankly, it was appalling and and actually less than I expect. And therefore, I'm not happy. No, 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 that's absolutely fine. I mean, in fairness, I think those are the only two chances that we created. Yeah, and that, that is the issue. That That is a huge issue at the moment. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people that have held patience for a very long time, it's running very thin, very quickly. And we've got... Okay, well, I, I, we will come to that. Good, I'm just, glad. Just, Thank you. Sorry. Just give me another minute or two to remain in the positive camp, okay? <laughs> okay, just, I'll just sit just quietly. Give me a second. The other positive... <laughs> Sorry. Who came out of the game was uh, Max Dyche's debut, Danny. Now, yes. as I said before we started recording, I'll be honest, by the time he'd come on, I was resigned to the defeat and uh, was resigned to the fact that it had been quite rubbish to watch and I was no longer really paying that much attention to the screen. Um, but by all accounts, he had a really, really good game, did Max Dyche. He did, and it's another one of these that he's been thrown in at such a difficult time, like your likes of... Um... Ryan Hughes was it who came, we started at Cheltenham. Um, and we had a, a couple together back line. Um, and like this one, he comes on with 10 men. With, I think, had it, was it already 1 1 at that point? I think. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, so he's, he's come on and he's got, and he, he did a really good job. He's made some great blocks in there, some last ditch clearances and stuff. Um, and he actually looked like he didn't look out of place at all um, next to uh, Bolger and Horsfall, was it? Um, you just feel for him because he's, well, he's only 17 and he's coming in he's, he's shown like his physique 
what impressed me quite a lot in terms of like you you let me let me finish <laughs> you usually see kids come in don't you and they're, they're quite like they haven't properly developed yet but he's he looks like he's is full-on ready for it and he's ready for action which you wouldn't expect anything less of, of sean dice's son was say, he's a dice he's, danny yeah exactly <laughs> and, uh, and he's come out after the game as well and spoke really well in his interview and i really put himself across well and he's saying how disappointed he was and that he wants to be in the team again and just that he's, he's living the dream basically um so it's it really good to see and we, we'll probably come on to young players coming through a bit later but uh, keith Kell does want to give people the chance doesn't he if he sees them that they're good enough um mm. And especially in a position where we're really struggling at the moment to to have any kind of proper form, to it's a tough position for him to come into. But it looks like he's ready for the challenge and he's ready to to make that step up. He doesn't look, he, as I say, he didn't look out of place at all. What, what I saw. On a side note, um, I think the fact that Dyche was named on the bench and Ratchich is nowhere near the eighteen yeah. kind of shows you what. Curl obviously thinks of his uh, loanee from Brentford. Um, probably exactly what you're thinking as well, isn't it, Jesse? What about Ratchet? Yeah. Oh, absolutely useless. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, uh, I just think that the, uh, the recruitment in the defence is somewhat questionable, and Ratchet is top of my list in the questionable category. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, look. Come on, then. We can't hold back any longer. I, I, I feel like a lion tamer, just just trying to keep Chessy at bay. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't very good, was it? After that that good start, it just went backwards and downhill, didn't it? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try and articulate my views respectfully. That would help. You're on yeah, a podcast. Respectfully and um, well, <laughs> because I think. It's very difficult when you lose and you lose in that manner to get very irate and not actually, you know, give a point and actually justify what you're saying. But we, I've sat here several times this season and several times over the years, especially while Keith Curl's been in charge and said that, you know, a performance is, is never top of my priority list. Generally, it's results and effort. And I've always stood by that. And I've never had a problem with, with us grinding out a result. And, you know, having to really work hard for it. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. What bothers me is when it seems apparent and incredibly clear that we, as a management team, are going out with a game plan to sit back and invite pressure time and time again. It is simply not good enough. You cannot expect a team to take the lead in a match at 1-0 and let's be honest, we were in complete control for the first 10 minutes and then just to literally not bother with any kind of attack. What kind of message is that sending to fans in a stadium or whether they're watching at home? It doesn't send a good message at all. It's negative. It's just not what I expect as a fan whatsoever. I couldn't care less, really, Um, how we win matches but the actual way we are being set up at the moment by this management team and the way that it's it's the norm now just for us to hit and hope it's not good enough and it's not what I expect and have never expected now Keith Curl has never been one for really pretty performances but what I think is a worry for me at the moment is that he expects nothing other than a draw and, and doesn't want anything other than a draw from, from the performances he's putting out there. It's just not on. I'm not happy about it. He did say at the end of the match, Danny, that he wasn't asking them to to just sit back and certainly not sit back as deep as they did. He, I don't want to say that he blamed the players because I don't think he really did. I, he definitely didn't do a Dean Austin, let's, let's say that. Um... I think there is an element of truth to what Jeffy's saying. Um, you know, obviously there is part of it to go out there and, and to play in that certain way. But Keith was obviously quite disappointed and quite unhappy about the performance at the end of the game. I mean, do you think, well, what's your view on it, on what Jeffy said and, and obviously the game and, and the performance? Yeah, yeah. I think Jeffy's got 
um, great points. It wasn't good. I was I was kind of enjoying it until we conceded the first goal because for the simple reason that we were shit, I was on our way towards a one 0 win against a Dave Artel team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kept me entertained until they scored the first goal. After which you just thought they're going to score again. It was just it just felt inevitable and like the sitting back stuff. It it does annoy me as well. It's it's, it's just like we know what to expect now, but. I, it's kind of the balance of where is it coming from? It because if it's not if Keith Kerr's saying what he's saying about it, and Ricky Holmes came out afterwards and said a lot of stuff about players taking responsibility, then then where is it coming from? I just I think there's there's a mix of both, but I also think our squad is just not good enough. Like we we look yesterday, we were without um, Alan Sheehan, without Sean McWilliams, two major parts of the team. As soon as they're out, we we struggle, and there's no almost like coherence and leadership on the pitch that we've said it time and again, as soon as, as soon as one of those players drops out, it's just frustrating. And there's no, that there's no people, no players to come in that are going to be half as good as that. You know, Miss Lou's nowhere near as good as McWilliams is. There's no one there that's, that that's going to take command of the ball and to take a leadership in the middle of the pitch that where we lose a lot of these games, it's right in the middle of the pitch. And again, we didn't have a midfield. We didn't have anyone taking responsibility to to just get hold of the ball, so I think it is a mix of the it mix of two, but it's definitely Keith Cole's tactic, surely, isn't it? I mean, after two years, we do know that now that it's got to come from the top that we that we sit off after going one or two nil up. Um, and it's dangerous. It's more dangerous in this league because we've got a, a team like Crew who came up with us that you would think are roughly on the same level as us. They've got some great players there and they've kept the squad together and they've got some really good footballers that are going to kill us and if we give them that much time and space. And like I say, it was just inevitable after a while and frustrating that we could all see it coming. Wasn't it? I, I can hear at least one or two of our listeners saying right now, they're not Liverpool. They're not Arsenal. They're crew Alexandra. Um <laughs> You know, just in response to what you've said there, I mean, you know, we we do look at crew and we do say that they're a footballing side, or you know, you know, they pass the ball around and and all this that and the other. They they keep possession and and all this that and the other. But crew aren't a side to be feared, and 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 they really shouldn't be. And I do think that you know, I I, I can't really put my finger on exactly what happened and what went wrong because. It wasn't like we sat back as soon as we'd scored. We like, did. Oh, bear in mind, we, we scored did. on the third. We no, 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 we didn't. No, we After didn't. After 10 minutes, we didn't do anything. Yes. Yeah. After 10 minutes, right? Let me get, let me finish, Chessy, because we scored in the third minute. And okay, it, it was only seven minutes later, but we didn't immediately sit back. We still had a good seven minutes after the goal had been scored where we were still actually playing football and, and we were in the game competitively. It was at that point, at the 10-minute mark, as you rightly say, that it then just suddenly we went deeper. But but there was nothing that I saw on the 10-minute mark that, that happened to change the game in that way, was there? I don't, I don't think we've got, like Danny said enough leadership on that pitch to once you go one nil up to push that team forward. And I think the perfect example of, of the evidence of that is Ricky Holmes coming out of, at the end of the match and saying, you know, they need to sort themselves out. Well, you have, you haven't got a captain on the pitch that's pushing that motivation. Then, then where is it coming from? Because Keith Hill clearly can't do a lot from the sidelines. And I just don't think that they have, like Danny said, not necessarily the, the quality, because I don't really think you can judge Keith Curl's um, set up in in terms of quality. I think you just have to uh, kind of address it and and look at it in terms of uh, determination and, and and playing for the shirt and effort. Um, and I think they're two very different categories. But I think that Danny is is completely right in what he says that there's nobody there to really drive that team on. You know, we've got the potential. I mean, we've got Danny Rose sat on the bench, for goodness sake. Like, put him on the pitch. Give him a go. Like, why are we not driving forward? And why are we not putting players like that on the pitch? And, and, you know, obviously, I completely take your point, Charles, about seven, what was it, seven? You said we pressed for seven to ten minutes. Well, that's not good enough. I'm not not saying it is. The question that I asked you was what happened at ten minutes to change the game and make us start sitting back? Tactics, I believe. 
So the tactic was for 10 minutes to go out there and press crew and to and to try and attack and then at 10 minutes suddenly sit back and, and not get the But ball. we've done that a lot. We've done that a lot. We've that, taken that, that, the lead I, and right. then set back. Yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying, my, my question is based on what changed at 10 minutes to make that go in. I don't know. There is no oh, way, probably. there is absolutely no way that Keith Curl says to the boys, you go out, you score a goal, and then wait seven minutes <laughs> and then fall back. Something else has got to have happened to have made that happen. And whether it's because of the players lacking confidence in their own ability or uh, in the team's ability, I... I, I I, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying, and I do agree that tactics obviously are a part of it. The tactic is that if we get ourselves ahead, we then try and protect the lead. And it is the most frustrating thing in the world, especially when, as we saw on Saturday, actually, crew were on the racks. You know, they were on the racks, on the ropes. On the racks, that's a <laughs> new know. one. I like that one, Charles. <laughs> yeah, new one, that one. But, you know, they were. They were there for, to be taken. And we just didn't do it. And I I do wonder, and I know it's all ifs and buts and, and, and hindsight and everything like that, but I just wonder if we'd have scored that second goal, would that have just been, would that have killed the game? Would we have actually at that point have been much better and been more confident and kept going forward? You're saying no, Danny. No, I, no, no, I, I agree. We've seen it many times before, haven't we? I think there's an element of fear in the players that when you go a goal up so early on that they don't panic, but it's more like it's a fear of what's going to happen from now on. It's almost like they were surprised to go ahead and what do we do now kind of thing. And there's the fear slowly creeps in. Playing a team like crew, like I said, they're not Liverpool Man United, but they are decent. And they've got players who can really take the game to you. Like Charlie Kirk slowly grew into the game. I mean, crew grew in confidence a lot because they, I think for the first 10, 20 minutes, they were thinking, how on earth do we get past this? And they've obviously played us before and not been able to get past it. And we hammered them last season as well. And the season before. Um, and the season before. And like Keith Curls had their number on a number of occasions, but the minutes, I think something just switched sort of about half an hour out where they thought, actually, yeah, we're getting into this, we're getting into this. And, and at halftime, you still didn't think we were safe at all. Um, and I, I thought at halftime, he might, Keith Cole might lay into him a bit and, and start like telling them to go forward a bit more and trying to protect the lead from the front. But we never did. And it needed someone like Danny Rose on. And I'm, it's just so frustrating that he's not playing. It's, it, you bring on Chuck Wamika. And, you know, we talk about the players taking responsibilities and stuff, but that's a substitution that Keith Cole's in charge of. Mm. He's in charge of the decision-making there. He's decided to throw on Chuck Mamika, who's pretty much the same in terms of a player as Harry Smith, where the likes of Danny Rose, at least he's going to get in and shithouse his way up front and throw himself all over the place and cause a little bit of chaos up front and stretch the game a little bit. There was there was, there was, was a moment, though, when Chuck Mamika came in. So bear in mind, Chuck Mamika comes on before the sending off occurs. So mm-hmm. Chuck Mamika is is quick. And he's certainly quicker than Harry Smith. I know what you're saying. He's a similar type of player. I don't see that, if I'm being honest. I don't think he is a similar player to Harry Smith. I think he's more about pace than, than, than he is about height. And Has he got that much pace? I'm, I'm not sure he's got that much pace, though. I think it's more like... Well, he, he's, he's got okay, him, but, but he can but he can run at a defender. I don't think Harry Smith can do that. That's not Harry Smith's game. Right, right. I'm not I'm not having a go at Harry Smith. I'm just saying that that's not his game. Whereas there was a moment when Chuck Maker had come on, he ran at Cruz left back. Now he actually got a little push on the shoulder, and if he was more experienced, he'd have gone down and won a free kick, which mm-hmm. would have been the right thing to do. And as as you're going to rightly suggest, that is exactly what Danny Rose would have done in that situation. Um, but that's an experience thing. The fact was that Chuck Wemaker wanted to drive it forward. And I actually thought at the time it was a good substitution because we were lacking, we were starting to not have any pace. We hadn't been able to get a foot in the game and to try and attack and the only way that we were really going to look at being able to um, get on the attack was going to be through a counter. And Nicky Adams isn't quick. He's got tricks, yes, but he's not quick. And Ricky Holmes was tiring. So I thought it was the right substitution to make for that situation. But then, obviously, what then happens is that we go down to 10 men. This isn't 
an excuse for the way that we've played or anything like that. But at that point, the substitution that Curl has made in bringing Chuck Wameker on, it doesn't make any more set any sense anymore because it doesn't work. No, it's about the intent, though, isn't it? From from what from what you what you're intending to do with the substitution. Yeah. So we. I don't see any intent there, and but there's no real excuse not to bring Danny Rose on. In, from what I can say, if you if you want to go and win the game, if you're intending to try and ruffle the feathers and and try and win the game, which I think Danny Rose can do both of, whereas Chuck Wamuka is still a bit raw. I, I think Curl would argue that that's what he was trying to do, though, at that point, because it was one all, and he thought that the pace of Chuck Wamaker was going to cause crew problems. And I think it did cause them a problem in that one instance, that in the one chance that he had to cause them problems before Joe Martin got his second yellow and was sent off. I think then it does become, you know, I think then at that point for me, it just then shows that, well... You, you can't predict the sending off is going to happen. Maybe you can because it's Joe Martin. I know that's exactly <laughs> what you're thinking, Chesley. But um, I, I, I think at that point, you are sort of going off bollocks, you know, because the it was clear that that, that for me was what they were trying to do was, right, we're going to hit them on the counter if we can. And that was where it, where it was and what Curl was trying to do to change the game. And who knows, if that counter-attack had worked and either we'd have scored or even got a corner out of it, whatever, then, you know, who knows what happens. I'm not defending the way that we played at all or Keith Curl's tactics. I'm just trying... That's my view of what he was trying to do with the substitution. It's not that I disagree with you that he should have brought Rose on. I think he really should have brought Rose on at some point. He probably should have made... Especially considering we can make five, he should have maybe made a triple sub at that point, done the two... Wingers or the two wide players, and changed Harry Smith for Danny Rose. Can we also just address the fact that we've got Danny Rose, who we've have we bought in permanently or is he on a loan? Nice permanent, right? So we've bought in a permanent striker, right? With the intention, clearly, this bloke is not going to rock up at Northampton Town with the with the knowledge that he's going to be sat on a subs bench for the best part of what four months now oh no actually sorry we didn't start till september three months okay so can somebody please tell me because i don't know the answer to this and it's driving me crazy why when harry smith really for the majority of the season last season wasn't good enough at league two level we've got him playing at league one when we've got danny rose sat on the bench because to me that just screams a massive lack of ambition in Keith Kell, because why have we bought in a player who's proven goal scorer and we're putting Harry Smith, who, no, nothing against him personally, who does not and has not been as effective as what Danny Rose is, and we haven't even given Danny Rose the opportunity to show it consistently. I, I think I think Harry Smith has... has- been improving in recent Yeah, but, improve, okay, okay, no but improving, to... we can't, we haven't got time for that, frankly. I ain't got time. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm sorry, but but you have to. No, but we haven't. That's that's a genuine problem that we've got. It's nonsense. No, we it's haven't nonsense. got time for that. We're in exactly the same position as every other team in not just this division, but in every other division. They've everybody has got the same amount of time. Harry Smith has already been a part of the squad and been part of the team for longer. And and Look, in my opinion, he has shown that actually he is improving and he's worth... I, I don't look at it... When Harry Smith is named now, I don't instantly go, oh, for goodness sake, why isn't it somebody else? Look, I agree with you in terms of playing Danny Rose. I don't agree with taking Harry Smith out for Danny Rose. I do. No, I don't think I don't think they're comparable anyway. Like they're not the same sort of player, are they? No. I think you can play both of them. But I think the fact is as well, he's brought Benny Ashley Seal on as well ahead of Danny mm-hmm. Danny Rose at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense either, does it? That said something as well, because he's he's not torn up any trees either, has he, since he's been here. And he's another one that's like big and strong and stuff. That Danny Rose can score goals. He's the only player in our squad who's a natural goal scorer. Like, he'll, if you give him a chance, he'll at least get an attempt on target or make the goalkeeper work or, or do something like that. He's the only one that I can see in there that's actually naturally, naturally gifted at that. And... It, I feel like he has to play with one of the other ones. Uh, and then that, it doesn't make sense why he's not at all. Yeah. Whether there's something that's going on behind the scenes or not, I don't know, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you said 
Jesse. Uh, Jesse <laughs> That's the, an amalgamation. Sorry. Yeah. It's all right. That he's a proven goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm uh, just no. looking at his stats. I don't think he is. I think he's personally. more proven than Harry Smith, is he not? Oh. I'm just looking at this and I'm going 2019. So these are for Mansfield, obviously. 2019-20, 11 goals from 31. The year before, 2018-19, four goals from 34. His best season to date was in 2017-18, where he got 14 from 39. Now, fine, 14 isn't bad, um, but it's not a 20-goal-a-season proven Goal scorer material, if you ask me. His total goals scored in all competitions is 68 from 227. Sorry, 277. But, but the point is that none of them are. None of the other ones are anywhere near that. Like, so that that's the point I'm trying to make, is that compared to the other ones that are in the squad, he, to me, has to start because he can at least get the ball somewhere near the goal. <laughs> See, yeah, that's that's my point. To add, to add to Danny's point, my point isn't that Harry Smith doesn't score goals because he does. But what I'm saying as the the style that we are playing and the style that Keith Curl is adamant he wants to play is clearly not good enough and it's also not it's it's not immobilizing that squad and what they can do. We know just by looking at Danny Rose, even for the few minutes he's on the pitch, you know, sporadically, he brings so much more in terms of the style of play, the pace of play, the chances and the differentiation in terms of where it goes on the pitch. We're too one-dimensional with Harry Smith and this was the problem we had at this time last year. And until Harry Smith, unfortunately for him, was out of the squad, we didn't have the opportunity to compare. And what my point is, not the fact that Harry Smith... Um, you know, can't score goals because he can, not as much as I'd like him to. But what I'm saying is we're not giving Danny Rose the opportunity to show us and give us a comparison. Because at the moment, all we've got is Harry Smith, who the goalie's lumping the ball up on the hope that Harry Smith gets on the end of it. And it's not working. It's like Einstein's madness thing, isn't it? Saying, doing it over and over again, and it's not going to work. Very, very quickly... Danny Rose, so 68 goals in 277 appearances. Harry Smith, 43 in 142. Technically, technically, Harry Smith's goal-scoring record is better. In what squad, though? <clears throat> this is what we're trying to point out. In what squad? No, that's, that's, in what that's style? Just, that's just in, in overall. That's all I'm saying is that overall, in terms of goal scores, goal-scoring records, Harry Smith is technically better. But it doesn't, like I said, we're not comparing the two. I, I know, I know. Like, I'm, I'm, You're getting my goat here, Charles. <laughs> I think what, also what we're doing is we're playing one big man and then two of like Hoskins and Holmes behind Smith, which is why perhaps Danny Rose isn't getting in because he, he's not going to get in in front of Ricky Holmes or Sam Hoskins unless Hoskins gets switched to wing back or something. Um, and I feel like that needs tweaking a little bit because you're naturally going to get Hoskins and Holmes drifting backwards a little bit rather than taking the ball and attacking, which they should be doing, and which they could should be causing problems for the opposition. And it's it's leaving Smith isolated a lot more. Um, and I don't think that would be Danny Rose's best position anyway, behind the striker. I feel like he needs to be up with him, feeding off him, and just making himself a nuisance, which we know he can do. And it's not all about goals. It's more about the intent and the, the you know, if you were a central defender, would you rather play against Danny Rose or Benny Ashley Seal every week? you see Danny Rose coming on you think you, you know you're going to be run around for, for a half an hour or whatever don't you so it's it's just more about what what we're set up to do I saw Stampy mention something on Twitter um, and I'm going to steal it so thanks Stampy you know he said I'd much rather as a fan see us lose 3-0 and show an absolute intent which is what Danny's just said than go out at 1-0 and just defend, 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 really poor style, really poor attitude towards the game and lose like that. I'd rather us lose 3-0 going at them completely and just being unlucky. This is the thing, I think, from from a fan's point of view and someone who watches them every week, I just want to see some kind of intent because without the intent, there's no direction. And we were sat here actually similarly I know we're in December now and the season started at a different point but if you take what we were feeling like at the end of October early November time last year I think it was very similar and it's a worry 
for for me as a fan, I just want to put where where I stand as a fan is that out of both of those scenarios, I'm upset either way. We've lost the game of football, and and what I care about is winning. I'm happy when we win. I don't care if it was a rubbish performance. If we win, I'm happy. If we lose, I'm not happy. And I, I think there's probably a lot of football fans say exactly the same thing. I, you don't see very many football fans turn around it when they've won a game and say, but we were still rubbish. Yes, you're always going to get some people. Some people, maybe you could call them purists. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy when we win. I'm not happy when we lose. And that's all that I care about. I, I don't, it, if we go out there and we lose 3-0, but, oh, but we were, we were, we tried to win. We tried to attack. I don't give a shit. We lost. End of for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a point, and we've done it so far this season. When we beat Fleetwood, we didn't play them off the park particularly, did we? It was more like we played in a style that upset them and frustrated them. Um, and we come away from the win, we were all celebrating. And it's just, it just, it just to me, it just all comes back to the quality thing, and that we haven't got enough quality and depth um, when the key players go out. And January is going to be pretty big for Keith Carl, I think, with with what he does and what he's able to do, because. If he gets it wrong, then we're going to be in big trouble. But if he gets it right and adds two or three players in the right positions and the right mentality, like he keeps talking about, because he need he he basically needs to put right what happened in the summer, because I don't think it was right at all. There's possibly one or two signings. Two, I mean, Keen Bolger, I think, is coming to this four now. Danny Rose was a good signing, I think. Ricky Holmes is obviously Ricky Holmes. Um, <laughs> other than that. I think other than that, I don't think the recruitment was right at all. And I feel like we've, we've panicked by it a little bit. I think it's okay. a real shame as well because the recruitment in terms of Keith Curl um, for the last, what, 18 months with the with the exception of this window has been very good. I know we've had a lot of extenuating circumstances this year, but it is a, it's different to what we're used to. Our expectations are quite high of Keith and I think he did just get it wrong, which is a shame because I like the bloke. He's great. I really like him as a manager, but it's just not working at the minute. Okay. Um, just before we move on to the post bag, one last question on this. Um, is this kind of a one-off sort of th- defeat? I in, hope in so. almost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say this because I, I know that there will be people out there and say, no, 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 this has been coming for a while, you know, um, yada, yada, yada. Are we, are we thinking that, you know, on Tuesday we've got Oxford – do we do we think and, and again Oxford are another team that like to pass it about and play possession football? Are, are we are we, we? You wouldn't expect this kind of performance again next time out, would you, Danny? No, you'd really hope not. With it being Oxford as well, I mean, that, if anybody's going to take enjoyment out of us losing, it's them. And um, but by the same token, if we then go and beat them, then suddenly it earns us a little bit of breathing space again. Um, we seem to get to this point quite a lot where we're just like tinkering on the edge of tinkering, teetering, teetering on the edge of, um, of properly dropping into the bottom four. Um, and we pull something out of the bag. So I really hope we do and hope we actually go there and put in and play with just a lot more purpose. And if we go a goal up, just keep taking the game to them. And like, I don't see any reason why we don't carry on playing the way we do at one nil and at two nil, even just keep on doing it because it rattles team and we can go and, win a game three or four nil but we just never seem to do it apart from if, if we're under a big giant arch in london <laughs> okay so um at the end of the day all of us are unhappy because it was a terrible performance and we're all a little bit worried yeah. i think it's fair to say right it would have been it would have been hilarious to be fair if we'd have won oh it. don't get like, me wrong it would have been the best podcast of the year yeah. if we'd have won it towards the end of the first <laughs> half i think i tweeted out saying i was loving this it was proper backs to the wall defending <laughs> it was the fact that we were blocking it all the time do you know what i i actually was enjoying it for a little bit and then they as you said earlier danny then they equalized and you knew it was going to only end one way and it mm-hmm. and it did anyway let's get ourselves to the post bag Postman Neil, Postman Neil, Postman Neil, and your letters of distaste and disgust. 
the first thing out of the post bag this week is from Daniel Darwood, who contacted us on Twitter. He said, hi, guys. What are your thoughts on Ricky Holmes's post-match comments? Is he undermining Curl here? It sounds like it wasn't his, i.e. Curl's instructions, to sit so deep after scoring. So if you've not seen it, this was, uh, or, or even watched it or listened to it, Ricky Holmes came out, did a bit of post-match uh, chat after the game against Crew, and he basically said that it wasn't Curl's fault as such and that the players had to take a long, hard look at themselves. Um, Chesie, what are your thoughts on it? You actually mentioned this earlier on. Yeah, I mean, look... I'm going to play devil's advocate, which I think is the right expression for this. It might not be. I apologise if it's not. Um, if you're bringing Ricky Holmes into um, the squad or, or into, into your thoughts and, and you're bringing him in as a player, you know what you're going to get. And he is not the type of player to come out um, of the dressing room after a performance like that and not say anything that's ever so slightly controversial, right? You bring him in knowing that he's going to bring that kind of thing. Now, if we look back, and if you want to, you can go and listen to our episode with Ricky Holmes where he points this out. Um, but he actually mentioned several times to us that, that the dressing room and the ethos that they had in that dressing room and the fact that it was almost like a survival type, um, what's the word, ethos, wasn't it? It was very much like you had to survive in that squad. And I think that... And what he brings is incredibly important. And I think what he did on, on Saturday evening was quite pivotal, actually, because it actually probably made some of those youngsters and some of those that are, frankly, underperforming, stand up a little bit and think, oh, he's on to us. Because actually, I wouldn't be very happy if my teammate came out and said that about me. But I'm completely for Ricky Holmes doing it because I think it's 100% the right thing to do. Somebody of Ricky Holmes's experience and stature within football... Um, he sh- he's well within our, his rights to do that. And I'm really, really happy that he has because actually showing some of these people up for what they're doing and it's not good enough. So actually, yes, completely right. Brilliant. Love it. That's the kind of player you want. A-star Ricky Holmes, 10 Jeffy points. <laughs> uh, Danny, so Daniel... <laughs> I'm 10 Jeffy points. He's got bonuses there, hasn't he? Um, Daniel Darwood <laughs> asked the question whether he's undermining Curl in what he was saying. Um, I'm going to switch that a little bit and say, do you think he was almost protecting Curl in a way? I think so a little bit, yeah, because he knew the type of flat that Curl's going to get for that type of performance. Um, I'm with Jeffy here. I think he's absolutely right to say what he said. Um, he demands a lot more. He's a winner. We need 11 winners on the pitch. Um, like His mentality is like, he's going to get that pissed off if we win, if we don't win, if, if he, he said, didn't he? If um, even if we draw that game, it wasn't good enough for the amount of chances we gave him. Um, and he's absolutely right. Um, I, I think that on the curl question, he he has got half time to try and change it around and to try and fix it and to try and do things a little bit differently, which was which was spoken about. So I do think there's a little bit of both going on. Um, I don't think Carl can take like no blame for that. Um, because he's got the ability to change things and to change the system and to try and make things happen and to make things work. Um, but by the same token, I think Ricky's right in terms of people need to take responsibility on the ball and be bolder with it. And we need to be more, like not even expressive with it, but more like taking more responsibility and do, and trusting ourselves and going forwards as if with a bit more, I'll come back to the word intent again, because we just seem to panic and not want hold of the ball and no one seems to want the ball. Um, when he's got the ball himself, he, he tries to do something with it, but he just doesn't see the ball enough. Uh, like we haven't got enough players who so are just going to pick up the ball and, and want to do something with it rather than just get rid of it, panicking, like thinking, am I going to make a mistake? Like you almost want people to... You, you'd rather people try stuff yeah. and make mistakes rather than not do anything and just like give up and just lump it down the pitch. One of the things that I thought at... Um, a certain point, I can't. I think this was in the second half. At some point, it was certainly before the sending off. Um, I think I might have even put it on Twitter where I said it feels to me like we're rushing it. Like every time that we oh, do yeah. get the ball, Panic. it is a case of we've got to, we've got to make the most of this. We've got to get the ball up the pitch and have have a chance, and we have to do that as quickly as possible. And I wanted us to just sort of take a moment and just sort of go, no, no, no. Look, let's get. 
a foot on the ball and just uh, yeah maybe maybe just just pass it around a little bit i'm trying to remember that a few weeks ago we we started doing that a little bit more and it it wasn't that we were we weren't doing what crew do we weren't playing that 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 way and and passing it around you know quick one touches and everything like that but we were stringing sort of like three maybe four passes together in positions that weren't really dangerous just to sort of spread the play a little bit and then we would sort of go and yeah. it, that didn't happen at all it was like the prime example i think there was a point where um nicky adams and sam hoskins um one of them won the ball or was given the ball by by the ball winner and played a basically a one two that nicky adams completely mishit towards Sam who was running on and it went out for a throw in. Now, actually Nicky could have just, you know, look, I'm not a footballer. I'd never have been. I've always been terrible at it. But to me, it just looked like what he could have done was actually have just taken a little bit more time and maybe given an easier pass just to keep possession for a moment or two and then to try the ball. I'd, you know, I, I've got no issue with with you trying to attack. I mean, because it, it kind of goes against what we've just said there about wanting to try it. But the fact is, is that you've got to try it at the right times. And the like, that's often what, what you'll sort of see. There's no point in just constantly trying to attack. You'll see, and I know that this is obviously much more elite than what we are the level-wise, but in the Premier League, you'll see the top teams, or in, in Europe, you'll see the top teams sort of, They'll advance on the area and then maybe they'll sort of move the ball around a bit and look for the opportunity to get it actually into a goal-scoring position. But they take their time over that almost. It's only when you get a counter-attack that you just go all out for it and you try and seize the opportunity that's been presented. Whereas we didn't seem to want to do that and we wanted to basically just always, always be rushing it and going as quick as we can. And that, was what I felt led to us constantly being on the back foot. Because if we'd have just put a foot on it and and made the right decisions, then it might have been slightly different and slightly better than it actually was. I 100% um, agree, Charles. Do you know what I think the, the problem is? Go on. Our defenders genuinely play like that football's on fire and they've got to get rid of it. <laughs> no, no, Hot that's potato. not. No, but that's not. You know, I, I'm not trying to be funny when I say it. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, the analogy is that they they don't. It's like they don't know what to do with it when they've got it. And and we've had a couple of occasions at the very beginning. Oh, when we were sat here talking about Bolger and Ratchik and and Horsfall and and they just panic constantly and they make really rubbish decisions. Like Bolger on Saturday, he he literally just launched it over the stand out for a throw in right deep in in the penalty area when all he had to do was you know there was time just turn and lump the ball up and just get rid of it it's like they panic and that again is like Danny said earlier and like you've said it's confidence and I think that that's what Keith really needs to work on at the moment because it's just not there it's just not, and it's such a shame because I've been such an advocate of Keith Kell, but it just hasn't worked the last couple of weeks and it's a bit of a worry. Keith B on Twitter said, I wish we'd show some ambition. The early goal was probably the worst thing to happen. Gutted for the players. If this is how they're being instructed to play, it must be soul-destroying. We make everyone look like Brazil. Chesie, the bit that I want to pick up on that Keith has said there is that he's gutted for the players. If this is how they're being instructed to play, it must be soul destroying. It's the soul destroying bit that I want to maybe just talk about very quickly. Do you think, do you think the players actually do turn up and and not enjoy it? Uh, I would hope not. Uh, I think it must be difficult, but I would also like to think that Keith Curl had the right ideas about, I know we've talked about recruitment in this episode, but, had the right ideas about the characters he was bringing in because uh, it, it was never going to be easy. And, you know, we've sat and we've really heavily criticised this squad, um, especially in this particular episode. And rightly so, because they, they've underperformed at the weekend. And we have to do that. That's what, that's what we're here for. But you have to bring in characters that are going to be able to manage the expectation. Now, for us, we've said it time and again, survival is, you know, 
what we need. Anything other is a bonus. Um, but criticism does have to be given. So they need to be able to deal with it. And if he's brought players in that can't deal with that, then you're looking at a situation that probably is reflecting what Keith's saying. Keith B is saying, not Keith Curl, um, is saying. And I think that would be a, a major concern for me if my players felt that they were soul-destroyed playing the way that I'm setting them up to do if I was the manager. But again, that again, I think, comes down to recruitment and what we did and what we have done in the summer because we needed to bring characters in that were strong and able to cope with it. Now, we know that for whatever reason, again, nothing personal, that Ratchet hasn't been able to deal with that because he's just not up to the standard. You know, sometimes it, it, it doesn't go right. Of course it doesn't. But there are certain players like your Ricky Holmes, Nicky Adams, Alan Sheehan, who clearly are going to deal with that pressure well. I mean, Nicky Adams has dealt with, what is it, two clubs now that have basically gone gone under and he's been playing for them so he knows what pressure is you know and for him this would be a walk in the park but throw Chuck Wawika in there when he is just starting out his football career that's going to be hard to deal with but it's a bit of a do or die isn't it because you come into a football career in a very privileged position because lots of people want to do what you are doing you just got to take that opportunity so yes I think Keith B makes a good point but I would hope that a footballer doesn't feel like that on the basis that that should have been prepared in the summer because we knew what we were up against. Okay. Um, moving on then completely, uh, we've had an email from Neil Houseman who says, uh, this week the club posted an article on the website about homegrown players breaking through into the first team. I also saw some stats posted on Twitter that seemed to suggest the pathway, as they were calling it, isn't as good as the club makes it out to be. Would love to know your thoughts on this. So this was an article that was posted on the Cobblers website. Um, basically an interview, wasn't it, with Keith Curl. And at the bottom of it, there was this paragraph, which simply says, 10 current or former academy players have made a combined total of 134 appearances for the first team in two years and two months under the Cobblers boss, Keith Curl. For context, less than 40 appearances were made in the same period before his arrival. Now, the stats that I think Neil is talking about here are stats that were put out saying that the total League One minutes given to homegrown players of 21 years and under this season has been 301. And the only one homegrown player of age 21 or under has been given a start this season in League One. So what are your thoughts on the supposed player pathway, Danny? When you look at it, so firstly, the 10... Uh, players appearing that that's good compared to because it wasn't happening before was it like very well um and the previous managers um it just uh, i get the feeling dean austin probably would have changed it a little bit but he didn't stay long enough to do that um i mean keith calls up has it's all about what what he um what he wants to do what you're seeing him he's not completely like opposed to youth players i think he wants to bring them in at the right time for the right game but then you get appearances like Ryan Hughes and it's we've never seen him again hardly have we mm. <laughs> since the game at Cheltenham so I don't you know, particularly want to look at the stats it's more about how many players have come through and made appearances it's it's pretty impressive compared to what happened before um, but I do think they have to be right you can't just throw them in willy-nilly just for, <laughs> just, like, just for no reason and I will say willy-nilly Willie, Willie Allen Nilly. Willie Allen Nilly. Oh, Willie yeah. Allen Nilly. Brilliant. Um, it's um, it's got to be with a purpose, and you know the pathway can't just be you're going to have an appearance in the first team and then disappear again. It's it's all about you know you come through and you establish yourself. Um, and some players make it, some players don't. I get the feeling Max Dyche is probably going to stick around because he's got that. Um, he he's just got that feel of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's threatening Keith Curl, and you're not going to. I mean, he'll probably do it himself. To be fair, he's <laughs> threatening Keith Curl mm. himself. Um, but you know, you some you see some players that just drift, don't you? And you never see him again. I'm a bit gutted that Morgan Roberts has gone on loan because I felt like he could have added stuff still this season. I feel like it's quite a big season for him. 
Do, it's only a month, but yeah, he's just started filming. Hasn't he? I was just going to ask. Sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt there. But just on Morgan Roberts, obviously he's gone to Brackley, hasn't he, um, yeah. for the month? I mean, he's a he's a right sided winger essentially, isn't he? It's, no, there's left and left. Oh, left sided winger. Left, sorry. Yeah. So in that position, he's up against Nicky Adams, Mark Marshall, Sam Hoskins, who yeah. are all ahead of oh. him in the pecking yeah. order for that position. I know Sam plays left, right, middle, everywhere, everywhere. the goalkeeper um, <laughs> so far. Um, but he is obviously, he's behind quite a few, isn't he? So Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair enough. And like you say, um, if you've got that in front of you, you just look at a game like Saturday and you wonder where Marshall is. If he's injured, then Hoskins is playing in a different place. Adams is playing on the other side. Suddenly there's a gap that he could have probably filled Um whether Joseph Mills is coming back, I don't know, because that's another one who would be there, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, it's not long, is it, a month, and it's probably good for him to play in a decent enough league. Um, same with Ethan Johnson, who's gone through. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see, basically, I think. I think the amount of players coming through has been has been decent. There's been some, some will be hit, some will be missed. But I think it's been um, pretty good, good reflection on Keith Carlos to what he's done. I don't think... You can look too much at the minutes and try and make things out of it because it's it's more about you know, his giving them a chance. And if they're not good enough, then they won't make any more minutes, will they? Mm. Um, if if they are good enough, they'll make up more of the minutes. So it's. I'm I'm going to take a punt here and say that the majority of those minutes that have been played by players that are 21 or under are by Chuck Wameka. Yeah. You know, so there is only one player. Um, I'm going to presume it's also him that is the, the one player he that started the one, the game because yeah. he, he has started. I can't remember who it was against. Oxford he did start City, I think. Yeah, and Johnston started a couple of the pizza cup yeah. games. I, I think, all, though, this, I think we're only talking league really. games, though. Oh, right, so okay, yeah. in, in terms of that, because no offence, but the the pizza cup, Danny, is is basically there to Wembley. <laughs> it's basically there to get your your youth team or you know your youth players, your younger players to to yeah, play yeah. a game, or at least it is if you're a, a Premier League B team anyway. Um, but I look back over you know the years that I've been supporting the Cobblers, and I can probably count on one hand, maybe two, how many homegrown players have come into the first team and have made an impact over a new you know over numerous amounts of of games um or time so just off the top of my head I, I sort of go back and I think about right Luke Chambers Mark Bunn um Chris Carruthers um who else we have I mean Sean McWilliams has to be in there Absolutely, as basically the yeah. latest one who was actually um you know before uh, he's 22, so he doesn't count in the players 21 and under stats. But um, he's probably the last one to have broken through before Keith Curl came to. And the we club. had Ivan, didn't we? And then the other one is Ivan Tony. I mean, I, I th- there might be a couple more somewhere that I've forgotten about, but you know, that's not very many, and it still would suggest that there won't be many going forward. But I remember that there were times I, I'm I'm trying to remember. There was a well, apart. So there was obviously Joe Inchifano, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. That that a lot of fans were crying out to to be given time. But there was, I'm, I'm sure, Danny. I don't know whether you can remember. There was another young striker that we had on the books at one point that people really wanted to to be given the opportunity, and he never did. Was it? Yeah, was it? I may, oh, maybe. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it probably well, is. Thinking about it, it probably was well, Scott <laughs> um, no, but, um, Steve Morrison before then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think our academy is pretty good, from what I can tell. Um, like they've had some really good results in the last few years, and like league tables and things, have, and the coaching setup's really good there as well. So, uh, I, mean, I think people get put off by this whole quote of player pathway, and they keep bringing it back up and throwing it in Keith's face. But actually, you look at previous managers, and they haven't been interested in young players at all. Because they've just been interested in in what they want to do and getting the results the quickest way, um, and I think Keith's probably a decent enough bloke to to learn off of. Um, 
so I, I think it's pretty good. Do, do you think, I mean, I, 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 again, I'm going back to sort of hearing listeners in my head here, Chesie, but Danny's just sort of said, you know, people sort of throw it back, but it's the club that bring it up in the first place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can understand where people come from when they say, well, it's a deflection from what's going on on the pitch. Do you think that's mm, that's true? I don't know. I don't, think, don't know whether it's fair. Um, I just think that it's nice to see homegrown talent coming through. Um, whether we've shown enough of that kind of remains to be seen really for this season because you can only assess it at the end of the season. You could argue that we've given Chuck Manwika a brilliant opportunity and to be, to be fair to the, the lad, he's, he's taken that opportunity fairly well with the, with the uh, exception of Oxford City. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that was, you know, anything individual. I think collectively it was just atrocious. So, I mean, I think he's done very well and coped very well. But I also think that Keith Kell deserves a lot of credit um, for the breed of players that he's bringing in. So, I mean, we laugh and it is funny, but it's it's also quite important that he's not giving out contracts to kids wandering in with massive headphones and trainers re- like thinking they're the bee's knees and they're going to you know play in the premier league next week because you know i personally don't want players like that at my club and i want them to represent the football club in in a decent way and a bit like i was saying earlier you know it's a very privileged position to be a footballer so if keith curl only gives two players this season an opportunity or whatever or even one um, but that player is the right fit and is a good role model to 10-year-olds, then I'll take that over five players that are not good role models. Do you see what I mean? I think the balance mm. is really important. I think it's really important to bring them through. And those that are saying that he's not bringing through enough, okay, they could argue their point, you know, but we could also argue the point. And I personally would prefer players who have good intentions and who are going to serve my football club well and are decent human beings that you know if I've got a group of kids that are nine and ten year olds looking at that thinking they're a really good role model and it's like it's a bit like I know very different but what Marcus Rashford's doing for society at the moment be a player that wants to do something like that not a player that wants to walk around with flashy trainers telling people how much money they're earning because that's not going to wash with me Okay. Okay. That's a very, very good way of looking at it. I think you went, like, you went a bit teacher there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, he did. Sorry. I'll be honest. He did go a bit teach. But um, I, th- I think my my thing with it is that would you therefore just go and put these players directly into the team, start them every single week, and 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 then what will you do once they're either not good enough? Um, or we're losing every week. Will it then be their fault? Because, or will it then be the Keith Curl's fault or whoever the manager is for putting young, inexperienced players in when they're not ready? That that's my way of looking at it. Like I just sort of go and say every time I see somebody say, "Or oh, we should be starting this," or they're not being given a fair crack of the whip, or things like that, I always then sort of think, "Well, think about it the other way. If they're in every week and and they're not, we're not winning games." And Keith loses it, or any manager loses their job because that I, I seem to remember actually. If we go back to the the the, the dreaded Ad Boothroyd, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember hearing him say once that you know he could go and put youngsters in, but at the end of the day, if 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 they don't play well enough, they're not ready for the football, and we don't win, he'll be out of a job because actually it's a results based business, and so the job of blooding youngsters is down to the academy and their staff. We should definitely trust in our academy as well because it's in great hands. Yeah. I think it's just time, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Look, I, I he's a player we completely forgot about, or I did when we mentioned mentioned homegrown talent, Michael Jacobs. Complete, I don't know why I forgot about him, but you know, I love it when you've got a player like that who comes through, who is one of your own, as the song goes. It's brilliant. But at the same time, if we put those players in and they're not ready or we put them in, as I think we did with Ryan Hughes, and he gets absolutely overwhelmed, then yes, you can turn around and say, well, that's Keith Keith Curl's fault for choosing to play him. But at the same time, you're also asking for the players to be given more opportunities in the first team. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, either way you look at exactly. it, Charles. So I think there's exactly. no right or wrong answer. There's just arguments for and against. 
Indeed. Well, there you go, Neil. That's our uh, that's our opinion on that. Um, just before we finish, um, Cobblers drew MK at home in the third round of the Pizza Cup, Danny. Yeah. That was a team that we said when we recorded the preview show, I actually edited it out in the end because of the fact that the draw had already been made. But we were saying there were three teams we didn't want to face, Portsmouth, Posh and MK. Yeah, because you always play them. Exactly. <laughs> like, guaranteed it was going to be one of them three. Um, at least it's at home. I guess, maybe. Will we get a thousand fans in? Maybe we'll attract a thousand fans to it. I don't know. It'll probably be the first game where we're allowed fans in where we won't get <laughs> full take up. <laughs> what when is it? Is, is it a week it's a weeknight, isn't it? It'll be in January. January. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. January time, yeah. So yeah, it will so, also be cold. <laughs> I mean, if we do go and win that then do you start to get excited, Charles? At what point do you start to get excited about? I'll be uh, I'll be honest, Danny. I don't think this is the out. episode to be talking about getting excited about <laughs> a pizza cup. The pizza cup. Uh, it would be so, so interesting yeah. to go to get relegated, but win the pizza cup. <laughs> The other thing to say is if you haven't seen the announcement made by ourselves and the football club, um, the football club and, uh, and us, we're inviting season ticket holders to send in their questions for Kelvin Thomas, James Whiting and Keith Curl at the Cobblers season ticket holders forum, which is going to be happening early in the new year. Basically, the club feels it's not really possible with the whole COVID-19 and all the restrictions and everything to open, uh, to have, sorry, an open forum event. But we're going to go basically and do it virtually. So all we need you to do is if you want to ask a question and um, it can be to any one of those three people, Kelvin, James or Keith, or it could be to all three of them, then all you need to do is send your question to us through uh, email. It's allcobblers at gmail.com. Do it before the 2nd of January. And then what we'll do is that the three of us will we'll sit down and hopefully with Neil as well, we'll sit down and we'll pick the questions out as long as there's loads and loads if there's not loads we'll just ask the ones we get but we'll we'll pick out the questions that that we think that you want to know the most and we will put those to the panel from the football club um it'll be an hour-long recording that we will then release as a podcast for you to listen to and the football club will also be releasing it through their social media channels as well and questions can be on any subject whatsoever but keep them cobblers related please on or off the field it should be really really good and just treat this as if it was going to be like the, the last fans forum that we actually did where we were at Sixfields, me and Neil, with a drink, with Keith Curl and James Whiting. They were there. Um, and it's your chance to actually pose questions to those. So submit your questions to us via email. It's all cobblers at gmail.com. And we will then hopefully get the answers for you. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. As always, um, we will be back on Friday with the preview show where we'll be looking ahead to uh, it's Lincoln isn't it I think mm, yeah and Ooh, that yeah. is hopefully <laughs> all right <laughs> cry kids give us, a, give us a chance to preview it before you give your your, your worries away Jesse please thank you very much um, <laughs> we will see you on Friday we'll be with the Lincoln fan and uh, yeah have a really good week and of course come on cobblers at least go and beat Oxford Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.